Hello and welcome back to a special collaborative series that is running as a joint project between the SA Pioneering podcast and the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. In this series, we'll be working through a new free online training platform that the Salvation Army's pioneering team have put together. At our roots, we are a missional movement formed in and around the missional DNA. It is imperative that as a movement in today's world, we as believers engage with the edges and margins of society. Our belief is that while some are pioneers, all are called to pioneering. By pioneering, we mean to break new ground, reach new people in new ways. This course has been especially designed to introduce you to this missional DNA, connect you to others on the journey of pioneering, and support you as you explore God's calling on your life. If you'd like to join us on this journey, we'd love to invite you to sign up to the training course at pioneerbitesize.com. That's pioneerbitesize.com. My name is Ed, and I'm joined on today's episode by John. Hello. By Luke. Hello. By Hannah. Hiya. And by Sam. Hello. And today we are looking at the third part of the missional DNA, the missional incarnational impulse. And uh, yeah, I get caught on that missional incarnational impulse. It's a lot to get your mouth around. But yeah, it gets a little bit wordier here with some of the um, the phrases we're using, some of the language. But I promise it will all make sense once we've heard the videos from the Bite Size. And uh, leading us through those videos today, we have Caroline Heward. Caroline is a Salvation Army officer and has been involved in urban pioneer ministry for 20 years. She has an MA in pioneer ministry and fresh expressions and lives in Leeds with her husband and two children. She's actively engaged in her local area and leads a pioneer faith community. And she's also my boss. Um, <laughs> so And Hannah as well. Uh, Hannah works with us. We're a team over in Leeds. And yeah, so it's really great to have Caroline on this episode. Uh, yeah, she's got a lot to say, especially on this topic. But we're going to jump straight into the first video here, uh, which is a short introduction. History is stacked with powerful statements and speeches, compelling people to make a difference or to pick up a challenge. Many are often quoted years later, Churchill, Luther, Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks. But can any compare to the challenge and opportunity that Jesus proclaims to every believer? It's simple and yet profound. Love God and love your neighbour. But do you really know who your neighbour is? All too often, it seems that the Christian and therefore the church has become so entwined within the walls of church buildings focused upon internal demands, so busy and focused on programme. Many believers may not even know the name of their neighbours, let alone their hobbies and interests. In the busyness of life, both that sense of community and connection can all too quickly be missed and lost. God not only commanded us to love God and love our neighbour, he also issued us with the Great Commission to go into the world. His intention was clear. By its very nature, the people of God are a sent people, apostolic in nature. Sent not only to live with others, but to both demonstrate with their lives and their words the good news of the gospel. If the church was no longer here, 
Would anyone notice it's gone? I think this is a good indicator of why the church should exist and also an indicator as to how ingrained in the local context and culture a church is or isn't. So there's quite a lot in that uh, clip there, isn't there? Lots of different mm. things that we could go on to talk about. Um, but I loved it when she was talking at the end there and she asked that question, if we were no longer in the neighbourhood, would people notice? That's mm. a, it's a really fascinating question to ask of a church and I think it it can be quite a difficult one to answer. Um, I wonder, I'm not going to ask about specific churches, but I just wonder what your experience with this would be like when you look at the church as a wider as a wider thing how much do you think that they are embedded in their communities how much do you think that they are uh, churches in that you've experienced are kind of connected to those that live nearby and how much would those people miss them if that church was removed i think i can probably think of examples of both yeah. um both churches that have got massive impact in their communities and those that don't and I think my my experience is that those churches that do um that do have an impact in their wider community it's only a good thing it's only you know a fruitful thing and something that enriches the area and what goes on in that place um, someone that I was speaking to today actually was was talking about how a church um, or a body of church people has that opportunity to um, be missional in terms of justice for those who don't have voices. And so, you know, if there's a community of people who are struggling with poverty or with political issues in the area, the church can be um, the voice within that to the voiceless. And um, I think that's really powerful actually, that as, as a body of Christ, we are, we are able to speak into their lives because we know Jesus and that is wonderful and life-changing and it is enough, but how wonderful it is that as, as Christians, actually we are also able to, to support our community in their issues as well and the issues um, and if you're living in that area as Caroline does like you are you are part of that community you're not going in and sort of being superman you are just being and mm. the issues that are uh, affecting other people are affecting you too. I think that's part of the challenge isn't it I think um, I think for so long the kind of model of what we do you know, in the sense of do we go out or do we let people come to us? It's kind of taken over that kind of like the, the change of that. And I think like, you know, so many occasions when, you know, with friends and their churches and same with churches I've grown up in, where we've been so concerned with losing what we've got, which is not in a way a bad thing. But I think what we've we've done is forgot to go out and continue that kind of going on walks with people or going to the park and playing football five aside with a group of people from the pub or do you know what I mean? Like I think there's that kind of things kind of got lost by the wayside a little bit. I think there's still that want to do it. I think it's just, there is that, just that concern about the fact that all, a lot of our churches are in decline and we need to try and hold on to what we've got. 
I think is kind of, I guess my can my kind of experience um, mm. of it. I think like Hannah, um, I've seen both examples of it of churches that are the heartbeat of their local area, and it'd be very obvious um, in terms of the way in which that local community would then miss them. Obviously, if they were to suddenly up suddenly up sticks and move. Uh, and then on the flip side, I've experienced churches where they are so disconnected from their local setting that it actually makes me me hurt inside a little bit. I almost mourn for the lost opportunity. Hmm. Um, I, I can think of a, a, a I can think of a church where they whereby they're in a prime location to meet with people surrounded by houses surrounded by community groups and it's just a really um sort of isolationist approach to living their christian faith and it was very much of um one of complete disconnect and almost like they're in the wrong place mm. and it was a bit like it was really difficult because I, I sort of I'd, I'd walk around and go, "There's so much God potential here, but they don't share this agenda," and it was generally heartbreaking yeah, um, yeah. to see a to see a group of people that so needed the church, but the church weren't prepared to to go and meet with them to and prepared to go and be with them. So, yeah, I've been on both sides of that experience. I think it's a hard one. I can see that it's fairly easy for people and churches to fall into as well, because especially when you, you're at a church or you, uh, that you're part of a church that is quite self-sustaining in the sense that it's got enough people, they've got a long history of doing things a certain way, perhaps, or they've got their program that works for them. They support each other very well. It, it, of course, it become it can become easy to become you know insular within that that you actually think, oh, we, well, we can fill all of our week just, you know, doing activities that, you know, grow and uh, disciple each other and support each other. And that can seem like a good thing. But actually, yeah, if it's not connecting in with your community, if it's not going out and spending time as the guest and going and exploring those spaces that are a little bit perhaps riskier to be in, then I think, yeah, we really are missing out on something as a church. In 1914, Catherine Hine became a soldier at the Limehouse Corps in the East End of London. Catherine visited the local Chinese community and chatted with the laundrymen while they were at work. She taught them English and in return they taught her Cantonese. And by the use of a Salvation Army flag, Catherine introduced the men to Jesus. During the same year, some 30 Chinese converts took part in the London Congress. When Catherine received the Salvation Army's highest honour, the Order of the Founder, the citation said this, she pioneered almost alone, often unaided, in amidst considerable difficulties, the Army's work amongst the Chinese in the East End of London. Catherine Hind embodied the missional incarnational impulse. Compelled by God, 
She was so ingrained in the context of the community, it was almost as if she had become one with the Chinese community. Scripture says this, I'll be all things to some people so that some might be saved. So mentioned in that video clip there, we had this missional incarnational impulse, which is the the part of the MDNA that we're going to be discussing today. And I thought it'd be helpful at this point if we could just define some terms. And uh, I've got some definition from the Pioneer Bite Size here. And it says that missional is the going out, going wide, being sent to be a witness to their local neighborhoods and networks. And then the incarnation is staying and going deep. Structure and activity that is informed by cultural influences and missional context. And I guess at first that might seem kind of that those are at odds with each other. Uh, I wonder, actually, that would be interesting to ask you. I haven't prepared you for this question, but how do you see um, a missional incarnational impulse there um, when we've got missional being to be going out and going wide and incarnation to staying and going deep? What, what do you think that might look like? I think you don't have to go very far to go out. Um, you know, as soon as your neighbour's door, which is, I don't know, two metres away from your front door, you are out and you are um, being missional um, and incarnational is is staying there. So living in that place mm. for a while and, and getting to know your neighbour, um, it doesn't have to be as literal as that, but it, it can be as simple as that. Um, I think it's about widening your scope, but deepening the relationships. So your so taking missional for example that is the way in which you look out upon the world that that is the places that that's the places that you go into there they're, they're the spaces obviously um in which you are sent out to and then the incarnational part is then almost what you choose to do when you're in those spaces because I can, I can be sent out to anywhere, and I can make, I, I, and I can be sent there, fine. But if I'm not going to make any attempt to be to be incarnational, I'm only fulfilling one part of the hmm. um, task, in a sense. And so, um, yes, there is that element of being sent. But then also, once you've been sent out, there is that element to then to need to um, to take root and to, I guess, embed yourself into the soil of that community, into the soil of that context, and I guess um, integrate yourself in that. Yeah, and I think when you go out into a community and you you can kind of have a look around um it's not until you like when jesus went out he saw people's needs but he still talked to them and rather than just assuming he knew what their needs were he always asked the question like i think it was was it somebody with leprosy came to him for help and he didn't go oh you need healing i'll heal you he said how can i help you what's the problem he didn't assume anything and you can only do that when you go out and talk to people and kind of embed yourself in who the community is 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, whenever you kind of step into these pioneering circles, you hear conversations about what people do when they are going somewhere new and they're maybe planting somewhere or maybe just going and um, seeing what God's doing in a different area. A lot of the time, that listening stage is the key thing that they talk about. Of Well, I guess, John, you're a better place to talk about this than, than I am in many ways. But that what that going and spending time and listening and dwelling in a certain place, has that been key for you in Faversham? Yeah, I think it's one of the most vital things. I think certainly you're training you know, in the training sense of it, you know, you're told to kind of listen and be instead of doing. And I think that's so vital. I think, um, you know, like Sam said, I think it's that if you don't know what the needs are of the town, for example, you're never going to be able to serve and be able to go and re- meet people where they're at because, you know, you're, you're just never going to be able to connect. I think for us, we, when we first went into Faversham, we, we went down the road of kind of like a market stall and kind of asked, we had like clipboards and kind of just asked, what's the town's greatest need? Uh, you know, according to you, like, what is, what's that? You know, what, um, have you ever heard of the army? That kind of stuff, just to kind of get an idea of what the town actually, that was really helpful with regards to like youth work was something that the town, really, you know, a lot of people in you know, the, of the community wanted um and it's then you're like okay well that's a need that people have seen and it's just and then just journeying with people and stuff mm-hmm. i think that's yeah it's so vital that's i mean we spent because of the pandemic we spent about two two almost three years just sort of having that time of listening but it's so yeah it's so fruitful because then you know you know people you get to know people's names you get to know their situations you know their families um and you can grow on that and then the trust also builds with that too mm-hmm. And you used social media actually to do that in an interesting way, didn't you? I remember you talking about all the different Faversham groups. Yeah, yeah. I think that that was thanks to the pandemic. It was sort of adding yourself to all these kind of face base knitting group, <laughs> uh, car groups, all all sort of things. And it was just so we could one share what we're doing in the sense of community wardrobe and stuff like that, but also just to see what people talk about what. It's only with like the neighborhood watch stuff and seeing where the areas in the town struggle with like vandalism, for example. And so you get to kind of see a glimpse of what particular estates and stuff. And that was really vital. It's only while we couldn't walk the streets as easily as we wanted to. Um, that was a really important tool for us to use. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a stage of listening and just being instead of trying to do. Hmm. I'm interested now we've kind of defined something of the term of the missional incarnational impulse, whether it's something that you recognize, whether it's something that you, you can see in places that you've been or perhaps stories that you've heard from the church. Um, yeah. Is this kind of, is this something that you think is really common that you see all the time? Or is this something that you think perhaps we're, we're not seeing enough of? I, I've asked an, a number of questions there, so feel free to ask answer which un, whichever one you want. <laughs> I think it's not always as easy as something than to to think about something and discuss something the way that something works. Mm. It's not always as easy actually going and doing it mm. or being it. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> No, I get what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I think when we say, you know, the church needs to go out, needs to go dwell amongst people, needs to embed itself in communities, 
all of that's like, yeah, of course it does. But like the nitty gritty of what that actually looks like on a day to day basis and what impact that has on our church program and on what even what church looks like, because that will shape us as a church. Um, yeah, that, that is that's quite a profound thing, isn't it? And it can be really messy. Yeah. Like just the the thought of going and journeying with people can be really messy Like for your, your own diary. <laughs> you know, like we've had that where you you have evenings where you want to just go on the PlayStation, play FIFA. <laughs> well not obviously not Beth me um and then you know then something comes up and that's you know that's part of that going and being like you end up kind of it is messy community is messy um but it's it's so so vital and so important God by his very nature is a missionary God and we see in Jesus God's model for mission. God sent to the world the person of Jesus. The missional incarnational impulse is all about the outward and deepening of people's awareness and experience of God, rather like a pulse beating through the believer's veins, outward, deeper, outward, deeper. The missionary God moved into the neighbourhood in the person of Jesus and became one of us. Here is such a profound truth and key component of mission. He didn't just live in the street, he dwelt there. He invested in his neighbours, he listened to them, he spoke with them, he knew them. Jesus dug into the soil of his community. God in the person of Jesus was walking the neighbourhood and yet so many did not recognise or even realise that there was God right before their very eyes. Isn't it simply crazy that the God who made the heavens and the earth, who flung stars into space, was walking the streets just like you and me? Jesus became like every one of us. Even those closest to him, his first disciples, didn't fully understand or recognise who he was. Jesus asked them, who do people say I am? In the incarnation of God, Jesus is identifying with and demonstrating his desire to come and walk where we walk, to walk where all humanity has trodden. God so loved the world that he came and walked with us. God is mission, missio Dei, it would be fair to say that we are understanding this more and more within the church. However, the church is still grappling with what it means to move into the neighbourhood, to listen to it, to respond to it from a place of immersion within the community. Alan Hirsch says that we don't plant churches, we simply plant the seeds of the gospel and from that soil where we plant grows out the church. Our job continues to be to plant the seed. It's Jesus's job to bring that seed to life and life in all its fullness. The pioneering spirit is all about dwelling within the context. We do not know the outcome, but through deep listening, strong relationships and networks, we can bring about the kingdom that God desires for all people. But this does come with a warning that we need to heed. We need to be careful that we do not impose our own assumptions and ideas onto a community and people. 
we simply go and respond to the context, to what we see, to what we hear and to what we experience. Jesus has commissioned all of his followers to go, not only the learned, but every believer, every disciple and agent of the kingdom. Wow, there's, uh, there's a few like bombshells in there, aren't there? Like, I was listening to that and I was like, whoa! Yeah. Like, just real upside down moments of, oh, that, I, yeah. I thought I thought that way, but actually that makes so much more sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I think we may even play that again uh, later on just to hear some of those again. But so, there's so much in it. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I want to hear it again for myself. Mm. What What were some of the things that jumped out at you? Um, particularly that bit at the end where she said, um, let me, you wrote it in our chat, thankfully. Um, we don't plant churches, we plant the gospel We and the church grows. That really, um, for me, made that upside down thing of we think that we go into a place and we're going to build a church and it's going to look like this. You know, we have this conceived idea that we might have a building and we'll have so many people and so many young people by a certain point but actually God doesn't work like that God has different plans and different ideas for the contexts that we are working in for the different places that we're in and and church doesn't necessarily look like a group of people in a building on a Sunday morning singing hymns and um yeah I just really like the way she put that it's not necessarily brand new information for me yeah. but just the way you just let you go in you do god's work and you let the gospel do its thing you let jesus do the thing that he does so brilliantly in ways that yeah i think um yeah each place you go to is so so different the context ed and i are in is so different to the context john is in and so different to the context sam and luke are in and so and we're only five people here. I like the way you uh, use the word context, and she used the word context. I think that's such a key thing. Like we each grow up with our own uh, preconceived notion of what a church is, and what how one church looks like this and thrives in a certain area. If you bring that same church and have the same ideas and put it in another area, it's even though it thrived here, here it's yeah. just it might just bomb and just not even work. And yeah, exactly. And I I liked it in the video where she said, uh, what did she say? God so loved the world that he came and walked in it with us. Um mm. he came mm. and to kind of come and be with us in our context and to change how we look at things through being with us and learning with us and from mm. us then learning and having a relationship with him he can then come into our lives and make it better he always makes things progressively better he doesn't like give you the first thing that's really good and then it becomes mediocre after that because you've already had the best thing it just keeps on getting better And, and what a good example that is for us going into our own places and our own context that we go and we walk and we learn and we we find out about the people that 
we're serving and we're being amongst rather than going in and thinking we know better because we have the gospel uh, but mm. going in and serving and, and becoming one of the people you know that's one of the, the biggest challenges I took from what Caroline said there, actually, is that, that going into a context without imposing our own assumptions or imposing our own way of thinking, way of working, way of operating. And that that is a really challenging thing when you actually, when you really look at what that means for a church, because we, are, we do often think we've got all the answers. We do often think we've got it all sorted. And if we just go into this difficult place and they can become like us, then they'll have it sorted. And there's something really dangerous and horrible about that way of working, isn't there? I, yeah, I think rediscovering a humility in our missional practices that we can go and learn from a context, see where God is already at work, that missio day, that missional God that is always working. Just go and learn from him, go and see what's good in the community, go and learn from the people there that all bear the image of God. I mean, there, there's so much that we can go and learn in these contexts beyond you know beyond even getting to the stage of us offering anything <laughs> but then obviously god has given us something to offer as well but uh yeah i think some of that humility needs to be rediscovered in the way that we approach mission i think having obviously listened to that before and then to listen again now um you guys can't see this but i was just sat in my chair and just you feel soaked by it and you just you sit with it and just go, this is what I'm, I think for, for me, certainly in this season of life, it's like, this is what I need at the moment. Mm. And just, I think it, the, the profoundness of it is, is that it speaks, speaks to, like certainly speaking to obviously my reality. Um, I think my thoughts went in two ways. Um, the one is a slight pop culture reference. Um, so obviously in the film called Runnings, they they are they, they, they basically they basically have this saying which is um feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up. It's pop play time. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> and thank you. And I think you flip that and you go, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up. It's Jesus time, because um to say missional incarnational impulse time. Probably doesn't work as well. Um, very catchy. But it? just, I have, I, I just love that idea of obviously being a um, drummer. Um, the idea of there, there is this beat that just seems to echo throughout all history, and and it's not stopped, and um, and basically it will keep on beating. And people and people have and people will pick up on that, and, mm. and they will get in sync with that. And just there's that infectiousness when, when say you're in a concert and you can just feel the floor moving beneath you. You can feel the music, not only as an audible sound but also as a physical experience. Mm. And and that that whole, you feel it almost with every step you take yeah. and that it's and that it becomes a very much a very sensory experience mm. of feeling jesus and and yeah just tapping into that rhythm and and, and the whole rhyme of it 
Yeah. You reminded me of something. Oh, sorry to jump in, but you That's just right. reminded me really like a vivid image came to mind there of a missional training course I did once. So it's called Forge. And you may have seen like forge hubs popping up around the country, especially if you're linked with the Salvation Army or uh, other organizations that um, do work with them. And I would thoroughly recommend getting in touch and, and going on the forge training because it's brilliant. But one of the uh, the sessions in that course, when I when I did it, at least they had this video where there was this guy um, who well, everyone was sat on a hill uh, just outside and someone put some music on and this music was like blaring and pumping. And then this one guy gets up and just starts dancing on his own. And we're all dancing in the Zoom chat. I wish you could see it, listener. But um, he was dancing. And it was amazing. And he looked like he looked like he had lost the plot. Um, and he just kept going for quite a while. And it looked like he was just on his own. And then someone else goes and goes, yeah, he, he's hearing something. He's, he's feeling something. I'm going to go join him. And they go and join this guy who's dancing. And he joins in and he's grooving. And then suddenly a third comes along. And then before long, it's almost like this dam breaks and suddenly people are flocking to these people that are dancing on the hillside. And I just remember being really struck by that video that the music was playing the whole time. It just took one or two people to respond to it in the way that their bodies were built to do, <laughs> just to get up and dance and feel that rhythm move through them. And I, yeah, I love that you've brought that image to this, Luke, that, that missional incarnational impulse something we we should be feeling and responding yeah. to because god that music is at work in those communities already he's playing the beat is there uh it's on us just to go and have that willingness to look a bit daft and joining in with the dance but yeah thank you for yeah, sending me back there luke <laughs> and i think that is the beauty of the national international it, it impulse in that in actually it's already there and it's not and it's not and i think I think for some people, uh, and I think it's it's perhaps quite difficult, but um, it's not ours. We can't own it. We can't control it. It's not ours to try and limit. We've just got to let it let it do its thing. And and obviously, as that dancing video said, just be brave enough to go and get involved with it. Um, tapping into something else that obviously Caroline said, and also um, we and also we've said about. Um, other people um more pop culture um i was driving down the a1 the other day and i chose to listen to the um prince of egypt soundtrack because quite frankly it's awesome um and there's a song in it which comes after moses has fled to midian and is wandering around the desert and it's called um, look at your life through heaven's eyes and it shifts that perspective and there's a lyric that basically talks about um, the single this single strand that exists as a, that exists as, um, as basically that exists in this tapestry as beautiful as a single strand might, might be can't see or understand how it fits into the wider tapestry. And I think often, and well, it's not often, I think always um, we need to remember that actually the people that we are living alongside, they are each a colourful strand actually in that tapestry. And whilst on their own, they might not make a lot of sense because 
their strand might be a little bit messy or complicated or not very neat fitting. Um, but when you put when you weave it into a a tapestry of people, there is a picture that that is understood through, I guess, heaven's eyes and the idea that actually um, in our different communities, in our different contexts, um, we, we, are, we are but one strand of this tapestry of basically God's people. And God's people aren't just the Christians, it's the non-Christians, it's the anti-Christians, it's everyone. Everyone forms part of that tapestry. And, and yeah, that's where I think that video sort of leaves me, really. Mm. The two images of um, that, that rhythm, that, that rhyme, that, that beat that just carries everyone. And then how we all can, how we all fit together. And actually, if you pull apart one strand, the whole tapestry falls to pieces. So every strand has has place, has purpose, because if one goes, the whole thing falls apart. Mm. So that's what I think, that's what stands out to me, really. Can I just go back briefly to what you said before about, oh, oh, I've said it now, I can't remember what it was. Um, but the quote that came to my mind at the time was, uh, the quote that came to my mind was uh, what she said in the video, he, all we can do is plant the seed of the gospel, but then it's Jesus that brings it to life. Mm. Um, so I guess in a way that kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. Like yeah. um, if we're planting the seed of the gospel, then that's what we've been asked to do. And then if we're doing it in the right way, then it's going to be brought to life. Sometimes we might fail. We can do it in a different, in a different way and that's okay. Um, we're all learning, but mm. yeah. Mm. yeah that's that's a lot of the challenge isn't it i think a lot of our our understanding of how to grow church is to get the bums on seats and i think it's that realization that actually it's it's that sowing of the seed you may never ever see what happens with that seed <laughs> and i think that's the challenge that's the kind of the human kind of uh control freak isn't it really that you want to see it from from root to fruit type thing but you're not gonna kind of see that you have probably be 30 years time you know someone will go oh, i haven't had a conversation with someone or is that and it's trying to it's like you say sam a lot of the pressure is off because actually um our job is to we'll say our yeah, it is our, it's our kind of commission is to to go out and make disciples and disciple people but the actual growing and the you know that that side of things is all on it's jesus and it's the holy spirit um and i think that's that's a really fair point to make i think we'll all we all still feel that pressure we put it on ourselves don't we because yeah. that is what we're here to do but we kind of in a way don't need to some of the time and i think it doesn't help sometimes in that we live in a world that is so driven by numbers and stats and figures and success is based upon, you know, you, you look at shops and they look at footfall, they look at profit margins, they look at which areas of the shop are the most, you know, 
money making and like if an area of the store is not making money they will get rid of it and they will put a new department in there and it's so hard to take yourself out of that mindset of um for once it's not a numbers game Mm. and just being and it's something that i still have to work on um my time up in berwick upon tweed um will have been about 20 months before i move off and as I sort of wrap up my time here, I sort of sit and go, okay, so quantifiable, what have I done that's made any impact? What what have I done that's actually been of any worth? And 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 that's really hard because you sit there and go, well, probably not as much as I would have liked, or I can't see it just yet, or it's not as obvious as I perhaps wanted it to be. Um, but it's that trusting god that um he will take care of it and 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 actually the work has started and that he won't stop it mid design he'll he'll keep working on it and he'll keep perfecting it and and being okay to just to scatter seeds and just yeah see what happens and you know it's hard it's something that i wrestle with and have to work through um but I would definitely encourage people to do that because, um, yeah, it's helpful. Um, it's hard, but it's, it's, it's helpful. And what you've done, Luke, is you've faithfully gone where God's called you to go. And what more can we do? <laughs> yeah. What I'm going to do now is I'm just going to play that uh, video again, and then I'm going to just encourage you to hit pause for a little while and if you want to just spend some time with the thoughts around it spend some time reflecting on what caroline has to say we'd we'd love for you to do that uh we're not going to say anything after that video we're going to jump straight into the final video for the episode but i think there's so much in there that i just encourage you to listen to it one more time and spend some time just considering what god's saying to you through through those words and through those ideas God, by his very nature, is a missionary God, and we see in Jesus God's model for mission. God sent to the world the person of Jesus. The missional incarnational impulse is all about the outward and deepening of people's awareness and experience of God, rather like a pulse beating through the believer's veins, outward, deeper, outward, deeper. The missionary God moved into the neighbourhood in the person of Jesus and became one of us. Here is such a profound truth and key component of mission. He didn't just live in the street, he dwelt there. He invested in his neighbours, he listened to them, he spoke with them, he knew them. Jesus dug into the soil of his community. God in the person of Jesus was walking the neighbourhood, and yet so many did not recognise or even realise that there was God right before their very eyes. Isn't it simply crazy that the God who made the heavens and the earth, who flung stars into space, was walking the streets just like you and me? Jesus became like every one of us, even those closest to him his first disciples didn't fully understand or recognize who he was. Jesus asked them, 
who do people say I am? In the incarnation of God, Jesus is identifying with and demonstrating his desire to come and walk where we walk, to walk where all humanity has trodden. God so loved the world that he came and walked with us. God is mission, missio Dei. It would be fair to say that we are understanding this more and more within the church. However, the church is still grappling with what it means to move into the neighbourhood, to listen to it, to respond to it from a place of immersion within the community. Alan Hirsch says that we don't plant churches, we simply plant the seeds of the gospel and from that soil where we plant grows out the church. Our job continues to be to plant the seed. It's Jesus's job to bring that seed to life and life in all its fullness. The pioneering spirit is all about dwelling within the context. We do not know the outcome, but through deep listening, strong relationships and networks, we can bring about the kingdom that God desires for all people. But this does come with a warning that we need to heed. We need to be careful that we do not impose our own assumptions and ideas onto a community and people. We simply go and respond to the context, to what we see, to what we hear and to what we experience. Jesus has commissioned all of his followers to go, not only the learned, but every believer, every disciple and agent of the kingdom. This way of living within a community, to dwell in a community, is how we live as a family. As a minister, I have the privilege of living in the community we seek to serve and minister to. Our children have attended the local primary schools. We use the local shopping centre, we use the local leisure centre, we go to the local park and we walk around the community as often as we can. We do as much of our living within the community, so to embrace the missional incarnational impulse. Not only do we host activities as a faith community, such as games in the park, youth clubs, family sessions, fun days, but we seek out places within our community where we can be a guest. We try to play the part equally of host and guest and try to avoid an attractional model of church. So as a family, we attend the local park run. My daughter is part of the local drama group. I'm a member of the local running club attending twice a week. By dwelling within our community, we have developed deep friendships with those who don't attend church. And it's then within the context of relationship that we are able to speak to people about our faith and about church. It's great to hear some of Caroline's story there. And I just want to, as someone who works with Caroline, just want to back up what she's saying. She's not just saying this, is she, Hannah? <laughs> she's really not. This is, this is Caroline through and through. Um, yeah. The amount of times um, someone new will walk through the door and Caroline already knows them or knows their parent or, you know, because she has those already natural links within the community mm. um other things that she didn't mention is like she's on the churches together sort of 
board for the vicars so all the vicars get together and um so yeah she is she's bramley through and through yeah this is what this is just who she is this missional uh they next week we're going to be talking about apest and the first one in in that apest model is apostle and she just totally embodies the apostle she's always out and going and wanting to be in the community if ever there's an option between being at being in a church meeting or out in the in the community we know where we'll find her she'll be at the ukulele club up the corner um, <laughs> and that's a that's a specific example as well that is usually where she is on a thursday afternoon but uh yeah so she really does live this out um and that's been a huge privilege for i guess myself and hannah to learn from that mm. and to have that example because that's i would say it's not my natural way of being it's something i'm trying to learn trying to something that i'm trying to grow into but yeah caroline just seems to always find this way of going out and being and dwelling in the community and building mm. relationship there and i think that, yeah that's a huge lesson for us in the church um I wonder, she mentions at the end of that, the uh, how we also try and avoid attractional forms of church. And that's another another long word that has been thrown in right at the end there. But essentially what she's meaning is we try and avoid church models. That is simply us setting up something and inviting people to our, to our building, to something we're running and saying, and making sure that everything we do is inviting people to us, but actually trying to mix that in with going out to them and I, I don't want to say we never do attractional because I think there has to be an element of attractional in there somewhere but it's about ba that balance of how much do we ask them to come to us and how much do we go to mm. them uh, and I wonder how much you've seen that that balance between attractional and missional incarnational um in in your experience of of church program of you know church life in general One of the things that um, sort of came to mind was um, in Bramley where where we serve, um, was it about this time last year maybe, Ed can maybe clarify, there was a big, um, uh, they removed all the benches from our high street in Bramley yeah. and and it was massive, like, every every person in Bramley was talking about the removal of these benches yeah. because it was in a place like where the high street is it's sort of on the in between on a hill and so like the old people would you know walk to Tesco's and have a little sit down before they went in or you'd find um the the mums feeding their toddlers on there or whatever mm. um and so it was a big deal in Bramley and and for a really long time, um, every Saturday, they protested on the streets of, of, um, uh, of, not on the, on this the town centre, yeah, on the town centre, and and that was an opportunity. And then uh, I know that um, many of our cong of our church family went and, or not many, but some of them went and sat and protested with our community and that was an opportunity to be a guest in that place because it wasn't something that we were leading mm. it wasn't something that was faith-based it was something that was honest and real to the community 
Um, and thankfully, eventually, um, it, Bramley did get its benches back happily ever after. Um, but that that was just something that sort of came to mind as something that was something that went on in our community that gave us an opportunity to be to be guests in that place um, and you know get to know other people in the area who were who also felt strongly about their community. Yeah, it's a good example because that is seeing somewhere where something good is happening yeah like that there is a movement for something good and joining in with that rather than trying to take over rather than trying to set up our own alternative protest yeah. on a wednesday evening um <laughs> but yeah actually just going and joining in with something good and yeah i think i think god worked in that situation so yeah it's a good It is when all believers know their neighbours and communities that the incarnation is once more embodied through the body of Christ, his church, for all to see and experience. It is the role of all believers to be totally immersed within our community contexts, just where we are. This is how community transformation and the missional incarnational impulse takes place. Thanks for listening uh, to this week's episode. Um, don't forget to take a look at the listener groups on facebook you've got the salvation army uh, pioneering podcast group and you've also got the some sort of miracle listeners group um so do check them out add yourself to those and get involved in the conversations um we've been blessed to have sam with us from the online core um so sam do you want to just mention about a podcast that you guys do um for the listeners today yeah so we do a podcast called sail our time to pause which is a Every weekday, it's 10 to 12 minutes around then, depending on how long we talk for, um, includes a short time of worship to kind of, we basically bring uh, our thoughts on a certain topic, like a song maybe, or what's going on in the world, and encourage you to spend some time listening to God, listening to what he's got to say um, in that moment, and take time out of your busy days to pause and refresh your spirits mm. we're on we're a listener group community on where you can talk to us on facebook um instagram uh plexus salvation army we've got another name plexus salvation army as well as the online call we're plexus salvation army um yeah search for us and there'll be lots of links as to how to contact us Cool. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our next episode on this series will be in the next couple of weeks. So do make sure to check out our social media pages for the uh, Some Sort of Miracle podcast, as well as the Salvation Army Pioneering podcast as well. But yeah, thanks for listening. And we uh, hope to see you again soon. Bye. See you later. Be well. Be well. Be well.